what frustrates me and that's I'm confronted to those behaviors and those comments almost on a weekly basis with when uh, introducing or pitching the ESG rating platform is how is that tool going to help me sell more products or going to help me make profit? Okay, interesting. And they won't be any products to sell if in 50 years there's no planet. Hello and welcome to Rethink What Matters, the podcast dedicated to aligning the economy with the ecology and everyone for improved business performance, stronger families and a greener, cooler planet. And today I'm joined by Oriane Weiser, Programme Manager at the Global Sustainable Enterprise System in Rotterdam, the Netherlands. And we're going to be discussing sustainability rating platforms. So the GCES system is a sustainability rating platform. So on this podcast, we're going to be learning about um, sustainability rating platforms. So I'm really looking forward to this because it's something which I think is helping us to join up all the dots, which is very much what a Wardaroo is all about. So perhaps we could start off, Oriane, with you telling us a little bit about your role there and a bit more about um, Global Sustainable Enterprise System, GCES. Yes, of course. Um, So I'll start by introducing GSES. Um, So GSES was founded by Kelly Reichok in 2019. Um, It is still a startup, but scaling up. Um, We are young and uh, a driven team, and uh, GSES is a software as a service. Um, So we are basically the digital bridge between companies, suppliers, and product manufacturers with uh, third-party auditors to verify their uh, sustainability performance. In short, we often call GSES the one-stop sustainability management platform because you can manage um, all of your company's or organization's sustainability performance through the platform including its supply chain and its products. Um, And by including the supply chain, we ensure a third-party verification on scope three emissions, amongst many other things. Um, My role as program manager, uh, I joined the company in 2020, so still when it was was very young. Um, We are now almost three years down the line for me, and uh, we have launched many of our now core modules, such as the supply chain dashboard uh, and the product assessment, which I can talk a bit more later. But my role as program manager is mostly to strategize our uh, our global expansion. Uh, we are a tool that is sector agnostic and also territory agnostic. Um, our wide network of third-party auditors uh, cover more than 110 countries. Um, which is also what you need when you uh, want to ensure uh, supply chain assessment because supply chains almost uh, almost always include many other constituencies, uh, many countries, many different uh, companies and organizations. So that's also why we don't only serve as private organizations but also public uh, governmental organizations. 
Perhaps you could tell us a little bit more then about sustainability rating platforms, you know, what exactly they are, how they work, um, a, bit, a little bit more of the detail if you can, please, Aurea. Yes, of course. So um, a sustainability management platform will get you, um, most of our clients come because they need to be regulations ready. So in Europe, for example, we have the CSRD coming up, which is the Corporate Sustainability Reporting uh, Directives uh, launched by the European Commission that is uh, forcing companies uh, to actually comply with sustainability reporting and making sure that their sustainability performance are not greenwashing but are uh, legitimate. So in that sense, um, our clientele comes to us and they first start with a zero-point measurement. A zero-point measurement is to understand what is your current state of your sustainability performance. To do a zero-point measurement, all you would need to uh, do is insert your certification. So companies have often a lot of certifications such as ISO standards, GRI, which are legitimizing and certifying that their organizations is environmentally friendly or um, or that their IT services is secured. So there's certifications in all realms, but we of course focus on sustainability uh, certifications and we are able to give you a legitimate ESG score. Now an ESG score, environmental, social, and governance score is to give you a number to kind of rate you on your sustainability performance. It's the most common used grade, grading system um, in the universal school of sustainability, so to speak. Um, and we facilitate uh, for our companies the communication across all their stakeholders on their own sustainability performance. Right. So typically uh, an ESG rating or sustainability rating platform will uh, get the data from its clients so that our clients insert the data that will then be third party verified by the auditors and then GICS generates based on the audit reports we get back we generate an ESG score. Okay, okay. And that ESG score is recognized, it's a globally recognized score, is it? Uh, exactly, it's globally recognized. Um, it's the most uh, common used trait to measure sustainability, at not necessarily only at the corporate level, but at any organizational level. Right. Um, and also, it's good to note that there are internationally recognized frameworks to align with sustainability guidelines that the UN or EU big, uh, big uh, international organizations such as them uh, like to push for. So ISO is one of them, uh, but the EU directives, of course, um, GRI and the SDGs, the Sustainable Development Goals, and these are all aligned on GSES. So you can make sure that you are, your sustainability performance reflects one that is aligned with the internationally recognized standards. So I think I came to you originally through the global, um, through the sustainable development goals. And I was interested that here is a system that's helping a company to implement the 17 SDGs or to measure them at least. Yes. So, um, you can then, in, so you can then import data associated with each of the 17 SDGs and would that be correct? That's very correct, Paul. I'll, I'll tell a little more about this. So. Um, 
So I've talked about GICS, and now we have the link with an SDG assessment uh, measurement dashboard uh, based on project level, and that's under uh, the branch called Data for Good that is also linked through our platform. And this incentivizes our users to actually report on their impact and how they're helping SDGs or how they're helping achieving certain targets of the 2030 agenda set by the UN. And how we do it is we actually measure on project level. So very different than the organization supply chains assessments, a project-based uh, approach. So we will ask our clients to give us their KPIs and insert their targets. Um, so let's say if they want to run a project that's going to support SDG 7, that's clean energy um, and reducing CO2 emissions. Um, they can plot their own project and explain how they are achieving a certain target of SDG 7 or not necessarily achieving it, but rather, um, rather contributing to its achievement. Um, and then, just like on the GSES platform, we will have that project mapping and results based on their progress and their deadlines once their project is achieved, verified by third-party auditors, and that way they can communicate with verified information on their contribution to the SDGs on their sustainability reporting, for example. Okay, so are the UN involved in uh, assessing the level to which a company is achieving the SDGs? The UN's involvement towards the SDGs is only to read reports that come in from all the state members of the UN. Um, so basically the way we work, uh, especially in the Netherlands, because we are uh, Dutch founded and Data for Good, which takes care of the project assessments uh, for SDGs, uh, is, a recent, uh, is a recent project for us. And we work with um, with the SDG Netherlands Foundation, which is an organization dedicated to report on the Netherlands' achievement on the SDGs and progress towards the 2030 agenda. Um, so we facilitate uh, the measurement of their claims uh, through Data for Good, which then enables the Dutch government to report with verified information to the UN. Right, okay. Um... How small uh, clients do you work with? Because you know, we want uh, we want private companies to be doing this as much as uh, big public corporations and big corporations. Um, so, how small a client can can get involved with you? On Data for Good, there's an individual membership that's free. Uh, so even just a single uh, human being could do it. Um, on GSES, uh, we have assessments made for big corporates, like you mentioned, and for corporates in general. But we also have SMEs, small and medium enterprise assessment. And that allows even uh, a startup to enroll and do its zero-point measurement and have a sustainability assessment done. Uh, because eventually, in, specifically in Europe, uh, CSRD will concern everyone. At yeah. some point, so we okay. need to get also the smaller companies ready. For sure, that's very much I think a focus of a Waterloo, uh, to be honest. Um, you mentioned zero point. Is that same as a carbon footprint? Zero point measurement is just to see where your status quo is at. Um, so it's an assessment of the status quo in terms of your sustainability measurement. We will analyze the CO two footprint. We have six pillars basically for an organizational assessment. 
because we strongly believe in the holistic approach of sustainability. Right. Um, and this is very important for any anyone out there thinking of sustainability. Sustainability is not only your carbon footprint. Um, climate change is driven largely by GHG emissions, sure, but it's not only by CO2 emissions, for starters, and it's not only driven by GHG emissions. It's also driven by biodiversity loss, and biodiversity is an assessment in our uh, standard, actually, but also... Um, to have a sustainable world that can last on the long run and a sustainable society, so to speak, you need to have health and well-being included. You need to have CSR, corporate social responsibility, making sure that the workforce is well treated uh, and making sure that um, no one is left behind, but also making sure that your supply chain is sustainable. So one of the assessment is sustainable procurement. Uh, you also have circular economy because... Um, and that's driven by the cradle to cradle on the product level, but also um, the approach of the donut economy. So actually thinking of, a, of an economy that stays within the planetary boundaries without jeopardizing uh, future generations, resources and needs. At, so we are not exclusively a carbon accounting um, platform. We do have a carbon dashboard that allows you to verify, third party verify again, your carbon uh, footprint, and then we are partners with compensation programs, so carbon compensation programs that will help compensate for your emissions, um, and we are working on a project with uh, a partner called ABB, uh, the large corporation, um, to actually launch a, a verified scheme to legitimize the carbon credit and carbon accounting um, field. The secret to all of this must be transparency, I think. So to what extent, if you like, is transparency supported you know, by the GCS system? Very good question and very good assumption. Uh, transparency is key in the realm of sustainability to fight greenwashing, uh, notably. Uh, and to make real claims, uh, our transparency layer comes from our third-party auditors uh, network, uh, most, uh, most predominantly. Uh, but we also use transparent methodologies that is shared with everyone, uh, our clients, members, partners, and even the audiences that follow us on social media will know. Uh, we'll have access to our methodologies. We're very transparent with the way we work. And um, you need to be transparent. We, we often, uh, outside, of, outside of our work as GSES members, we, we preach transparency because if we are not transparent, then we don't have a real sustainability performance assessment. And then we don't know what is the state of the world. Right. And then right. that means we don't know in what state we're leaving it for future generations. Okay. Um, I think the danger with a system like this potentially is it, it puts the focus on measurement um, and analysis rather than action. Um, so to what extent do you drive action with this then? That's a very good question. I'm happy you're asking that. It's true that we often have the motto, measuring is knowing. Once you measure, you know how you can go further, what you can achieve, uh, you know where you stand. But it might not, like you insinuated, it might not push you to actually do more. It might not push you for action. Um, and this is why Data for Good was founded. Because Data for Good is a project-based approach. 
assessment. So you don't start by measuring, actually. You start by lining out your project and the actions you are going to take to contribute to the sustainable development goals. And then at the end, if you want to get your project verified to legitimate to to legitimate it uh, towards your stakeholders or even shareholders, then you can get it verified and measured by third-party assessments. But it's just to drive action and to yeah, to motivate people to all join together. We also have alliance dashboards where you can collaborate on get on on uh, projects, so you're not just on your own, just not your own organization or your own uh, self as an individual. Yep. You can join collaboration because working together, you'll you'll go further. You'll achieve more, more right. impact. Okay. Okay. You know, oftentimes companies are already very busy. Um, sometimes it's about survival. And this just becomes one, just another thing for them to do. So I can imagine it might be difficult to get traction with it. How do you get people involved with this and, and keep it going, keep them motivated? It's, it's a very good question and it's, it's, a, hard, it's, it's a hard thing to tackle, um, whether it's for GSES or for Data for Good. Um, taking action um, is something that we will collaborate with other companies who are such as NGOs um, whose or campaign uh, companies whose core uh, work is to drive impact and to motivate people to make impact. Uh, but we work a lot with governmental uh, institutions that themselves, especially in the Netherlands, you have a lot of public-private partnership. So, for example, you have municipalities that own shares in private companies. And so through the municipalities and through ministries, we actually motivate private companies to engage because then they can have, they can showcase to their shareholders who are often governmental bodies that they are helping them to contribute to the SDG progress of the Netherlands or, or of any country. Um, yeah. So in that sense, we motivate them. Then I'm going to be honest with you, Paul. One of the big motivations is regulations. Right. So the more companies are aware of, of all the financial consequences that they can bear if they don't take action, mm -hmm. this is the biggest motivation right now. Okay, okay, that's good. That's interesting. That's a very interesting insight. So that's where we are today. It's, yeah. more, it's more push than pull. It's definitely more push than pull, uh, but we're entering a new era um, with the regulations coming into play, and I think what's going to follow up is companies or any organizations that take action on their own hands and, and take the initiatives in their own hands, so to speak, because um, the younger generations were raised with the conscience of sustainability and protecting the natural resources so that future generations have access to them. So we are going towards progress and we are going towards more action and more creating impact. Are there any case studies or stories you can share with us of people using the GSS system? Yes. So I'll talk about the Johan Cruyff Arena. The Johan Cruyff Arena is the biggest stadium in the Netherlands. It's in Amsterdam, and it's um, if there are soccer, soccer lovers amongst your audience, uh, it's the home of Ajax team. Um, and um, they have uh, a strong purpose to drive innovation and to, uh, they set a 2030 um, a target to be, uh, to be neutral, carbon neutral. 
and even net positive if if they, they achieve carbon neutrality, then they want to be net positive. So by 2030, their target is net positivity for the arena. They've been using the GSES system to set, uh, to not only to see their zero point measurement where they're at, how they can contribute better, what they can uh, put in place to achieve uh, a better sustainable performance. Uh, but they wanted to take it further. Their chief innovation officer, um, Hank Van Run, is driven by purpose for this. And that's how he was interested in using data for good and using the SDG dashboard to showcase the contribution of the arena to the 2030 agenda. And so in that sense, the arena is one of our first front runners using both GSES and data for good. Mm -hmm. And on data for good, there are actually uh, proving and measuring through projects by installing food transformers um, that creates biomass energy uh, from food waste, um, uh, but also projects uh, on uh, green energy. Um, so they've installed more than 4,000 solar panels on the roof of the stadium and they can create a lot of energy and therefore they can contribute to the municipality of Amsterdam's own targets. Right. Because the municipality of Amsterdam owns 49% of the shares of the arena, um, and therefore they have high uh, stakes in make in the arena sustainability, and they uh, and they can help each other achieving uh, their sustainability targets. And for example. So you have the arena who has their own targets, but you have the municipality of Amsterdam who wants to be 50% to reduce its CO2 emissions uh, of the city by 2030 of 50%. Right. To align with the Paris agreements of yeah. coming back to the emissions set in 1990. Um, and through the project mapping and, and verifying uh, their achievements on their actions, uh, through Data for Good, uh, the arena is legitimizing its uh, its uh, purpose and its effort to contribute to the targets of the municipality. Okay, all right, thank you. With with ESG, we've got environmental, social, and governance, and it seems to me that sometimes we approach that the wrong way around. You know, we go environmental first, don't we? Then social, then governance. It yes, should, it should really be governance first. And what's your view on that? That's a very good question. Um, that's why we focus on the holistic approach of sustainability. So there is no strong, stronger emphasis on environmental or social or governance. Um, environmental is the front runner in ESG for many people and for many organizations. Why? Because it's easier to measure. It's easier to assess. Right. Um, but we are seeing amongst our uh, our clients and amongst our, our just our network and in the Netherlands and all across Europe a strong emphasis on good governance because mm -hmm. good governance is seen as the the driver for change. Uh, with bad governance, you will not achieve much. You will not achieve your actions, and you will not achieve impacts. Mm -hmm. uh, you need good governance before you implement environmental strategies. And yeah. In that sense, I do. I, I, your question is a very good one and very important for people to really not disregard the S and the G. What are the frustrations you find there are around sustainability rating platforms? Have you got any stories about where it's just not worked or it's not working? 
Yeah, very good question. One of my main frustrations, and I think it comes from a, a personal trait as well, a personal background, uh, I have a master in climate change and international development. So I am not only preaching because I work for a sustainability management platform. Um, what frustrates me, and that's I'm confronted to those behaviors and those comments almost on a weekly basis with when uh, introducing or pitching the ESG rating platform is how is that tool going to help me sell more products or going to help me make profit? Okay, interesting. And it's a legitimate question when you're uh, head of a portfolio or head of a product or head of sales. It's a legitimate question. It's your job to make profit, and I understand that and, and respect that. They won't be any products to sell if in 50 years there's no planet. Right. So it's the, the biggest struggle is to actually switch the minds versus short term or towards long term. And Waterloo is very much focused on a regeneration as opposed to sustainability. Yeah. I also prefer regenerative uh, to sustainable, um, although sustainability is most commonly known than uh, regenerative. So that's why in the semantic, uh, we do use sustainability more than regeneration. Although from an academic perspective and, a, and an expert perspective, regenerative has it all in the name. You need to focus on it not being a one-time use or not or not being a, a short-term product or service. You need to think about regenerating it and making sure that its lifespan is as long as it can. Um, so the approach of reusing um, versus recycling is something that is very leveraged in in the in the regeneration approach um, in GSES. On our product assessment, uh, we do uh, we do actually follow the methodology of regenerative approach. Mm -hmm. um, so, in that sense, we we are including the regenerative approach because it actually the re sustainability falls under the regenerative approach. What I like about regenerative is that it's the umbrella. Mm -hmm above that's include that includes the SDGs, the planetary boundaries and and sustainability ESG assessment. Mm -hmm. You can't if you want to truly be sustainable then you need to think regeneration wise. I think so because sustainable almost by definition is equals failure because we have something at the moment we don't want to sustain, you know. It's all it's broken. We don't want to sustain something that's broken. We need to improve what we have and rebuild what we've broken and build capacity for the future because there's still going to be growth because there's going to be 8 billion people or 10 billion or whatever it is who are all going to want to get wealthier. So I think I read that the, um, the global economy, the output of the economy could double in 30 or 40 years. You know, what it, what it took to do take 240 years, we're going to do in the next 30 or 40. So um, yeah, this is an exponentially in, uh, compounding problem which if we don't regenerate, we just won't, we just won't make it, frankly. I, um, can I just comment on, on sustainability? Um, yeah, again, because I did a master in climate change, but the problem with the word sustainability is that 
the word in itself actually resonates with what you just said. It, it, it makes you think of what you just said. But the definition uh, of sustainability in, in academia and, and that's used for the methodologies and that's the legitimate sustainability definition is to actually make sure that the needs of current generations are, and the uses of natural resources of current generations are not jeopardizing future generations. And that we are actually including in our current usage, including for um, the future generations. So in that sense, sustainability and regeneration are very close. But of course, greenwashing and and just, I mean, mostly driven by fossil fuel companies and by big profit, for-profit companies have twisted the word sustainability around, and the concept of it. And that's, that's the struggle also of being in, a, in the sustainability uh, world as a company. It's always to educate and to make sure that we are not getting the wrong point across. So if it's driven mainly by compliance, uh, does that mean that I think compliance only really applies in the UK at least for companies that are employing 250 people or more. So companies employ less than 250 people. They don't have this compliance issue. No, not now. Not for now. It's going to be uh, CSRD is starting uh, in waves. So it's going to be a wave process. So the first batch will be the big fish in the EU and the big fish in the EU market. Right. Uh, so definitely companies that have more than 250 employees, um, but uh, as the waves, as the years goes on, CSRD wants to include everyone. And if you're a small company employing, say, um, 200 people, and, but your customer has got a few thousand, you, you probably yourself need to be able to show your carbon footprints or your sustainability credentials and ratings to that larger organization because, because they're going to demand it for their own their own certification. Exactly, and that's why uh, we work a lot with uh, companies who want to assess all their suppliers, to assess all their supply chain. Um, and when you work with a big corporation, uh, the way we do it is actually facilitate sustainability assessment for the, their smaller suppliers or for their smaller um, for their smaller suppliers. We obviously give lower fees uh, for uh, rating um, because when you manage, I mean, for example, for some of our clients, we are going to assess or we're assessing more than thousands of suppliers. And some are even very small companies, some are, are less than 10 people. Uh, so for them, they have, um, they have a different requirement and a different price. And right. that's driven by the corporate's ambitions to uh, show their sustainability performance at the supply chain level. Right. So you, could, you can also see that sustainability-focused people often find solutions to include, to be as inclusive as possible, because they know that they can't do it alone. Right. Um, so they're going to have to help those that can't afford it. And just give us your impression then of how much you think this is changing behaviors? Actually, um, there are many reasons why they're changing behaviors. Um, it's a confrontation. It's like looking at yourself in a mirror. Um, it's, it's very confrontational when you realize how bad uh, your KPIs are. 
um, based on verified data that's been third-party verified and you have legitimate sustainability performance that shows you that you are your governance is actually not good, uh, that your social KPIs and targets are not good, um, that your score, your verified score is below 10%, uh, that drives change, especially for competitive minds um, and for uh, the management level. They're realizing the impact of that. Uh, a sustainability uh, focus needs to be really sound. It needs to englobe everything, and you can't just grade well in CO2 emissions. You also need to uh, make sure that your your staff and your workforce is well treated uh, because of compliance coming in and of those regulations. Um, so it's changing behavior um, in that sense, but also it's changing behavior on the board level. Because now in, uh, in their, quarterly, um, their quarterly meetings with the investors or their quarterly meetings with the admin board, they share their uh, ESG rating, they share their sustainability performance, and they show why they need to put budget on this to achieve better rating to then be the product that people will use because it's the product that's going to last the most because it is encompassing uh, the sustainability uh, approach and it's encompassing the survival of, of humanity. And those often, I mean, sustainability just challenges intergenerational debates as well. Uh, because we have generations that were actually told to consume as much as they could to help the economy. No, that's very true. And it's very hard true. to then tell them, well, now, well, no, you buy secondhand everything, uh, you don't help the economy, and it, in their heads and in their minds, and if you look at just an economical, an economic uh, standing point, you're like, this is never going to work. We're not going to generate money. Sure, we might save the planet, but we're not going to be able to feed ourselves because we won't have money for it. Um, so that's also, it's also part of the challenge. Um, but having teams that have different age groups in them challenges dialogues and help a common understanding of the importance of this and how it can work. Orian, thank you very much for your time on this podcast and uh, helping us to understand um, how sustainability rating platforms work and the, the value that they bring and, uh, and how your GSES system works as well. Thanks very much for your time on this podcast. Thank you very much, Paul.